children, I did not realize, just because I don't even know what planet I lived on, they require a lot of attention, a lot of attention. To have me suddenly out of commission, it's hard. We really like to buy distressed property, right? That's kind of our thing. We loved problematic. Have we bought anything like that since we had our child? No. No. Ten o'clock, Shetty comes home, and now Ari and Shetty are running around in the basement. And they're playing, and they're jumping, and it's great. And it would go into two o'clock in the morning some days. She's still up and running and just playing. So what happened? They wake up mom so that mom can put Ari to sleep. We made the decision for everybody in the family have an idea, have a thought. We take a vote. We take a vote, as in we do. Do you decide what we eat? Do you decide when we go? If Arya's hungry, we're going. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Lena. I'm Shabby. And I am. We've got Arya here with us today. If you watched our previous episodes, you know that um, Shetty and I have been here talking to you all about our journey. We've kind of covered how we met, where we came from, and how we decided to get into the businesses that we're in. We also discussed a major milestone, which was the purchase of our very first property that really got our businesses moving. Our first property was obviously a very big phase in our life because it's what started this entire you know, journey for us with the businesses that we own. And I think once you have that full kind of view of who we are collectively as a unit, then we can get into all the really fun stuff, which is the nitty gritty of how we got from each phase over to be able to do what we're doing today. We're going to talk about the next major milestone that has shifted our businesses into where they are today. Shetty and I started our businesses back in 2004. We purchased our first property, which was definitely not done very well. <laughs> it was a disaster. Not efficient. Okay, fine. Not efficient. Again, we talked about it in the last episode. So if you haven't seen it, go in, take a, you know, take a listen um, and just get an idea of what I mean when I say not uh, efficient. We've talked about it a couple of times. It took about five years for us to really figure out what we were doing and how to do it really well. Seven years after that. Once we've kind of started doing things really efficiently, um, this little lady joined us. 2016, what happened? That's right. You came, right? And what day is that? October 31st. And is that mommy's least favorite day of the year? Or is it her most favorite day of the year? Most. And was it mommy's most favorite day before you came? <laughs> Mommy loves Halloween and now she loves it even more because now we have a birthday party and Halloween, don't we? So, two became three. How was that, Shed? Wonderful. That's another um, milestone in the family as it grows. Can you tell everybody what mommy and daddy do? Can you tell them what does daddy do? Construction. Construction. So what does that mean? Engineering. That's right. What does he make? What does he construct? Building. That's right. And then what does mommy do? Creed. I clean. You bet I do. What else do I do? Take me shopping. I take you shopping. Absolutely. Is there anything else that everybody should know about what mommy does? Does mommy work? Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes now that you're big enough, we go to Canada's Wonderland, right? As you can imagine, the dynamic changes quite a bit. For us, I think that was a moment where we really 
had to shift and make very big decisions. First monumental decision that we made was what? That's a trick question. What was? You left your job. <laughs> we gave up your very comfortable salary. That was not monumental. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my husband. <laughs> yeah. Is that always how daddy is? That thing's really monumental? It's another stepping stone, right? Into the next era. Yeah, just to make a decision to close a chapter and then focus your efforts onto a new chapter. I moved from Ottawa to to GTA you know, because we wanted to be closer to family because we knew we would need help. And lots of it. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to do it alone. So we came to where our support was. But we also talked about priorities. And the priorities that we had is family. And we said, okay, there's no family in Ottawa and immediate family would always been in Toronto. So we said, okay, it is time to pack and leave and come here. Despite the fact that living expenses are much greater here than Ottawa. And we're making a huge shift. And part of it, we said, okay, we're going to focus completely on family. And therefore, I said goodbye to a comfortable salary. Have mommy and daddy ever told you some of the biggest things that you taught us? No. Would you like to hear about them? Yeah. Okay. So did you know that the very first thing that mommy learned when you came and joined our family was that no matter how much you plan, you always have to be willing to shift without stressing out. So if you've watched a couple of our previous episodes, you would know that I am very much a personality that is hurrying and let's just live life to its fullest and do whatever comes. And over the course of being married to and running businesses with Shetty, I have learned that no, sometimes responsible adults plan. Sometimes. They have schedule and they have, you know, tasks that they complete. So you become very much... Structured. Yeah, you become structured. That's right. And structure wasn't something that really worked with a newborn. Um, so for anybody who hasn't yet had this experience, um, the one thing that I will tell you is there's no predicting what's going to happen and whatever happens, it's totally okay. Like, it's so okay. Don't stress yourself out. And that's our viewpoint also. There are some families for sure. They say, okay, this is a structure of my family and that everybody has to follow. Yeah, but when that we made the decision, exactly. But we made the decision to have an allowance to for everybody in the family have an idea, have a thought, and says, okay, what do we need to do? So it's like almost like democracy here. We take a vote. We take a vote, as in we do. You get the veto, right? You make the last choice. Yeah, do you decide where we go? Yeah, do you decide what we eat? Do you decide when we go? If Arya's hungry, we're going to eat. For anyone out there who hasn't yet had additions to their family, um, and if you're thinking about it, we're going to talk a little bit about what it looked like for us when we expanded our family and we added a very dynamic person who came with lots of energy and how we shifted what we did every day to ensure that our vision for our family 
was in line with what we were doing outside as entrepreneurs. So do you want to hear about some of the things that mommy and daddy did once Aria came and joined us as a family? So I think one of the very first things that we did, as Shetty had mentioned, is Shetty left his job. We moved back to the greater Toronto area so that would be close to family. Um, and we did that because for us, it was very important that Aria get to spend time with her grandparents. If you guys watch the very first episode, I came here with my parents um, from Iran when I was like three. I didn't have my aunts. I didn't have my uncles. I didn't have my grandparents around. I didn't have my cousins. It was just me, my mom, my dad, my brother. Um, and it was different, right? It was different than looking at my friends who would spend holidays with their families and would go and visit their grandparents or they would have their cousins to play with. And for me, it was very important not to have that same experience for Aria. Even though Ottawa is only four hours away, it still took her away from her cousins, from her grandparents, from her uncles, and we didn't want that. And it took us a while. Hi. Who's that? Gandra. Gandra. And that, that's where it's important, right? It's um, how... You know, we made the shift and the focus on how we raise the family. In turn, we had to make changes on how we run the business um, and how much time we spend on the business. We've only really gone into overviews of who we are and what we've done. Um, but in our last episode, we talked about the triplex that we had. We talked about the fact that Shetty and I were doing renovations on our own. We were running back and forth to Home Depot. And we were scaling, um, as Shetty likes to say, very inefficiently, which required a lot of physical time and presence. Something we have yet to touch base on is over the course of this 12 years, as we've been scaling our real estate portfolio, we'd also started and expanded a property management company. Um, so in addition to having our own portfolio, we have a property management company that does full service management on behalf of other investors who don't have the time or the desire to deal with the day-to-day -day, um, sugar and spice <laughs> that <laughs> comes <and> with <laughs> feta cheese and jalapeno, whatever you, however you want to phrase it, there's a lot that goes in. Investing actively in real estate is active. When you have tenants, when you have properties, when you have maintenance, it requires a lot of your time. It requires a lot of bandwidth. It requires a lot of resources. And, you know, by the time Aria came, we had our system down, you know, like we had software implemented that was streamlining a lot of the manual processes. So we didn't have to hire staff in order to be able to run the day-to-day -day operations. We had, you know, service teams locally in the areas that we were in. We had leasing agents in the areas that we were in so that we weren't physically having to be on site. Yet when the little human joined the two big humans, right, things were very different. Children, I did not realize just because I don't even know what planet I lived on, but definitely not planet Earth. They require a lot of attention, a lot of attention. Um, and as the person who at the time was the only one full-time in the business to have me suddenly out of commission, um, because I did have a C-section. So for six weeks, I was literally out of commission. It's hard. It's very hard. And you have to very quickly find ways to replace yourself. And thank goodness you had systems 
and processes and manuals and software and things where we could plug in and go. It's almost trying to duplicate yourself. It's not yeah. almost, you actually have to duplicate yourself yeah. so you can get the outcome that you're doing. So to replace you, we had to have some sort of a system process in place, software to make sure that the errors are handled quickly or minimized. Yeah. And then you just get somebody in place and just, okay, here, this is follow this. And then what you're hoping for is when that person follows the exact steps that you've done before, the outcome will be the same. Did you know that daddy started the construction company because you were born and he didn't want to have to travel anymore with his old job and be on airplanes and away from you all the time? What's amazing, though, every single thing that we've done, it was done because of a need, right? The property management company, when it started, it was only solely purpose is to take care of our own properties and our own Man, uh, our own portfolio only and because we got to a point where it's really efficient other investors were calling out on us to say hey can you please do the same thing the investment in any business is efficiency and the processes is the guts of the business once you have that you can scale and then we started the construction right company where it allowed us to expand and get into commercial yeah builds right so we realized, I think, once we did have other responsibilities, would you like to say bye to everybody? Yeah. Do you want to go and maybe like, I don't know, take a nap and mommy and daddy will take it from here? What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Say bye. Heart broke. Aria, would you like to eat something? You want chicken nuggets? Are you watching TV? Yes. Okay. So a few things that, you know, nobody ever talked to me about. I don't know if they talked to you about it. <laughs> Bringing an addition into your family really, really, really shifts everything that you do. And it takes you from being a very well-oiled, efficient, what's your favorite word, machine, into becoming, again, that reactive, frazzled, inefficient flustered. And these are all words I'm using for myself because this is how I felt. I came home from the hospital with this little person that I had no idea what to do with and I didn't understand because, you know, she didn't know how to talk to me. She didn't know how to say anything. Um, she cried, not often, but she cried when she was hungry or uncomfortable or whatever it was. And But we kind of broken down. So if she's crying, it's either she's hungry, you change the diaper, or she wants to sleep. So you just trial and error. He trialed and erred. I was frazzled and confused and had no idea what I was doing and sleep deprived to the point is the businesses didn't stop. So to give you an example of what that looked like in our lives, the day that I went into labor, I also had rental applications that had come in. They needed to be- Because it was the end of the month. <laughs> it, was the end. So it was the end of the month. It's like, honestly, all things that could be like horribly timed in terms of a business perspective was exactly what this particular moment was. Our daughter was born on Halloween. So it's the 31st of the month. Tenants are moving out. New tenants are moving in. Rent collection is starting. What I would normally do in the first week of the month would be, you know, to make sure that rent has been paid. If rent hasn't been paid, have all the notices been served for collection in order to start 
an eviction process if needed. You know, have my new tenants moved in? Have they settled in well? Is everything okay? My tenants who have moved out, what does the condition of the property look like? What do we need to get done in order to get it ready for photos and get it advertising and then, you know, eventually occupancy? So these are all things that generally happen in the first five days, (laughs) which means there's nothing else that you are doing. (laughs) And I have rental applications that are coming in. And it's a time in the market where... If you don't screen this application and you don't have a response within like the first 48 hours to let this applicant know that things look good and you're, you know, going into step three or four and it'll be another 24 hours, lost. And then things didn't go as planned. I had to have a C-section, which now meant that even if I lived in the world where I thought that I was going to, you know, be back at it in four or five days, now I'm out of commission for six weeks, you know. We're back to kind of where we were with that very first property. Everything is new. Everything is unexpected. Everything is very high stress. But in addition to that stress of, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any money. I don't know where I'm going to you know, sort this all out. Now you have other people depending on you as well because you've got a management company. Responsibility. Yeah. So you increase your responsibility as your business grows. Yeah. And now it's not just, you know, you and I and how we figure it out. Yeah. It is you and I and our daughter. Yeah. And then clients that we get to make sure that we're yeah. so delivering the service. In that first, probably what I would say six months, we really had to reevaluate what we were doing in terms of just the focus, right? Like what we were investing in, the types of property we were getting ourselves into. Um, In the last episode, you heard Shetty say, like, we really like to buy distressed property, right? That's kind of our thing. We loved problematic, right? Inefficient. 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 Inefficiently managed property. Yeah. Like, we love that stuff. Have we bought anything like that since we had our child? No. No. Not in this country. We did. We bought it. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this country. (laughs) It's just compounded well, hey, that was easy. We can figure it out locally. Why not? Let's, let's do something far away. Right? Save that for another episode. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll <laughs> we talk will. in details. But the point is that we didn't do those things. And the reason we didn't do them is because they are so time consuming. Our daughter was really kind of that priority. We We had a goal that we wanted to you know, build our family in a way that allowed us to do what we wanted when we wanted with her. And I mean, that was from day one, right? Like when we were starting these businesses, that was really our our goal. Our entire purpose was- We build the businesses with that intent. Yes. Right. So- 100%. Yeah. But now this little human is here and it really is now, okay, let's make sure that we have the time. And we didn't want her to be in a situation where we felt forced to- you know, I don't know, have to put her into daycare. We wanted to be able to have an option not to do that. We wanted to have an option to not have to put her at bed at seven o'clock. Although I will tell you, it helps a lot as an entrepreneur if your child is in bed at seven o'clock and you have those extra hours to work. (laughs) Very helpful. (laughs) Well, for the whole, the flip side is, you know. They are also up very early. (laughs) That's right. But the reason you build a business is to give yourself some leeway to decide what time you do this. So if your child one day wants to play, then 
let her play. It comes at a cost. I'm not just saying. I know you're you're shaking your head because. Would you like to tell them what that means? What it means? What? All right. I'm gonna phrase for you why when he says what he says, I have the reaction that I have. Our daughter was all of what, maybe 12 months old. No. 14, maybe. Yeah. She's very, very active. At that time, Shetty was in the process of fitting out a pharmacy as well as redoing a couple of, you know, medical clinics. So, you know, he was not home the majority of the day. Construction was quite a bit at the time. So Ari and I would spend the day together. Um, fine, no problem. And then Shetty would come home and they would do their own thing. But what started to happen was Shetty would come home later and later. And then Ari and Shetty would play later and later into the day. And at that moment in time, Arya needed me to put her to sleep. She would not sleep if it was not me who was putting her down. So my life started to look like this. I was up with our daughter all night in order to feed her and do all those things because unfortunately for us, um, Arya is very strong-willed, which is wonderful. Um, but that also meant that she refused to take any kind of food or anything from a bottle. Shetty wasn't able to kind of take on that evening roll where we thought we would be able to. I'm up all night and then all day I am trying to ensure that I am keeping this person alive in the best possible way <laughs> while still trying to get my work done. I'm trying to keep our house organized and you know I didn't do that very efficiently. Now when I'm thinking okay we're gonna start getting ready for bed you know eight o'clock nine o'clock let's start getting her down and now I can rest no 10 o'clock Shetty comes home and now Ari and Shetty are running around in the basement and they're playing and they're jumping and it's great and it would go into two o'clock in the morning some days well it became more of an experiment says okay well how far can you take this and some days you know two three o'clock in the morning and she's still up and running and she's playing so what happened they wake up mom so that mom can put Arya to sleep. Well, she gets tired and now she needs to go to sleep. How was how was those times for you as my husband, not as her dad, but as my husband? How were those days? On a scale of one to ten, would you say they were one being the least enjoyable or ten being the most enjoyable? The most enjoyable. Oh, liar. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's wonderful time to spend. Like, you know, I said as a husband, not her father. The goal really was to be able to do these things, right? So we very quickly realized that um, the method that we normally operate in wouldn't give way to us living the lifestyle that we really wanted. Buying distressed, having major construction projects and things like that um, were not going to give us an opportunity to spend time with our family and not just as a three but with the extended family, right? With the grandparents, with the uncles, with the cousins. And um, we needed to look at different ways. So we stopped buying distressed property. We looked at, you know, efficient, yep. productive opportunities, which did lead us into larger scale because it is somewhat more predictable. And from a predictability standpoint, I think it's not that you don't have surprises because we do. Um, but when you're buying a built-for-purpose building, let's say, so you're buying an apartment building that was built as an apartment building, a lot of those really interesting things, like windows behind bathtubs, like we had talked about in the previous episode, those things don't exist. 
these buildings were built specifically for the purpose of being apartments. So every apartment was constructed as an apartment. Nothing had been changed. So it's from- hard to, you know, hire somebody that is not qualified in a commercial building to do work. It is more structured, and that's why you don't end with the surprises that you do in the smaller stuff. The smaller stuff is you always hire somebody. They don't have the qualification. It's not structured. You don't have the drawings. You don't have all that, and people are changing things around, and you have no idea what surprises. Yeah. Now, in Built for Purpose, it's a whole different beast, right? There is proper documentation, base building stuff that has to come about before you even change something or delay it. So if you're joining us for the first time, um, this is Shetty Gerges and he loves structure. He loves control and he loves efficiency and predictability. I think what we can say is we scaled to the bigger because we could hire better teams. We were able to hire and not just that we were able to hire. It's not that you're not able to hire better people for a smaller scale property, but viably the cost associated with hiring people with such high credentials or, you know, experience, we're able to do that. It's very expensive if they're willing to do the work. Um, and it's because they are a company that is built and designed to do very large scale projects that if they're taking four or five of their men to come out or women to come out and do something very small, they need to charge for the work that they're going to lose. Your return on investment is not there. If, if you have a couple of doors, right, you cannot hire union people to to do that. Their overhead is is large enough that by the time you get it, it And they're your, not going to do it either, right? Exactly. They're not set up to do that. So then that's why there is a big difference in the crew and the support you get in smaller scale than the larger yeah. scale. And that's really it. When you look at it from the viewpoint as an investor, whether you're, you know, in a stage in your life where you're starting a family or not, maybe you already have a very, very active and dynamic family, right? Like it seems like it might be the better choice to start with something really, really small. But if you've got three kids and they play hockey and they dance and they've got competitions and they've got tournaments, you're probably going to want to find a way to start off with a bigger project where you can hire people and pay people not out of your pocket to actually run the day-to-day. And quite frankly, for all of us out there, that should be our goal, right? Our goal should always be to get to the point where we can pay people with the experience and the desire to deal with that kind of nitty-gritty day-to-day where we don't have to be in it, where we're only having weekly call, right? You, Instead of daily updates and you are only reviewing kind of the finished step versus let me show you how to put in an inside corner joint. That's amazing, right? It's, it's a really different discussion that you'll have yeah. with that team versus that team. It's, it's totally different. And the outcome is, again, very different, right? They're taught to do that versus the chances of finding somebody that will do it as a cost-conscious. It's slim to none, actually, on the smaller scale. So you got to have a crew um, that is vetted to be able to do that for you and make it viable, right? So it's a lot easier to do that on the larger scale. And again, the larger projects would be able to support itself 
much easier than the smaller ones. Six trades, you're managing the six trades, right? Because these type of smaller projects do not have what's called a project manager versus a larger scale stuff. This is you have a project manager that takes care of things. So you're dealing with one neck, right? Can you tell me it's been in construction for a really long time? It's <laughs> enjoyable. And I think really regardless of whether or not you want to have a family, like I know many people who don't and what they want to do is they want to travel. They want to go out and they want to experience the world. They want to experience culture. They want to go and, you know, be in a different place on a different continent once a quarter. And again, if you're in it, in the nitty gritty of it, you can't. We had a joke. Oh my goodness. Do you remember? So there was a period during that first five years of insanity or inefficiency, sorry, where every single time Shetty would be flying at this particular time, one of his big customers, they were in China. And every time Shetty would get on a plane to go to China, I remember that. I would get a call that there was an active leak of some sort in one of our apartments without fail. And it got to the point where our service manager who was working in the city that these properties were all in at the time, when I would call him, he would ask me if Shetty was on a plane because it happened the minute that I got a text message that said, okay, we're hitting the tarmac. I'm shutting off my phone. I'll talk to you in 18 hours. And within an hour and a half of that text message, somebody was calling me and it was either a, um, hi, there's a lot of water coming from underneath my sink. Hi. So my ceiling looks like it's about to explode. That's a big bubble. I remember that. I remember that picture coming to me on my phone. I turn on the phone and I see these messages. Oh, that, that, that ceiling is about to, <laughs> oh, to explode. So that's uh, that's how I get my updates. You know, uh, you turn on and say, okay, let's see what happened in 18 hours. So it really, like, when you look at your lifestyle, I think, and that's, I don't think something that we fully appreciated when we started and we were buying what we were buying. I don't think we fully appreciated how much of our own physical time Invested. would be needed when we were looking at goals for financial lifestyle and not like a complete like what do I want to be doing with this money that I'm making and how do I want to be enjoying that money and what does that mean because our goal was to travel yeah. we wanted to be able to travel in those years before we started a family because we thought we couldn't and you know we traveled way more with her than we had prior to having her so thank you Aria well, that's right <laughs> But again, it's, it's a shift in priority, right? You look at it as you're building your nest egg and you're doing that. And so that is your sweat equity that you're putting into it. But the intention was to grow to a point where you pull yourself out of the business and let the business run. And that is what's critical here. But if we knew, do you think we probably would have made different choices where maybe we weren't so in it at the beginning? Like, do you think maybe we would have looked at some of those bigger buildings in Hamilton that we kind of shied away from because they were so large? When it comes back to support, it comes back to your network that would say, yes, absolutely, go there. We did not. We did not know that. We did not know that the smaller stuff would need more hands-on. No, no, I mean, if larger. we knew. Oh, if you knew. Yeah. Hindsight 20, this is called it. Hindsight's 2020, baby. There you go. So here you go. A little bit of a tip for those of you who don't want to be in it and being dirty and like touching gross carpet. 
or even being on the phone every other day. Like it's a still, it, it needs, like you might want to, you can hire people. That's okay. Hiring people and managing, overlooking that the, the work is done, even though you're physically not doing it, it requires your time. Oh, it does. So Very unless nice. then you hire a manager to manage that operation, which in turn, you have to have the money to pay that manager, right? It's not viable. So again, is the formula is you got to look at what do you want from your life? How do you want to live it? And then find the right investment that fits it or find the right business that fits. Yeah. Right. So, and even when bigger seems scarier, I think we can agree it's easier to find a partner on a bigger project. Yep. Right. So bigger projects usually come with larger income. And when you've got a larger income, it's much easier to split that income and still take home enough to put food on the table. So finding a partner that you would be able to share that pie with is a lot easier. Finding people to do the work actually tends to be easier because it is, again, a larger scale project. So that visit will actually be a more financially beneficial visit for the person doing the work. That's right. So in turn, that person doesn't feel the need to kind of upcharge, let's say, for additional time and, you know, lost work from somewhere else. And um, stabilizing sometimes is actually easier as well because you've got income coming in from multiple, let's say, unit to manage and deal with that one unit that was, let's say, flooded and cannot be occupied or to pay for that bathroom that was gutted that you weren't expecting. Yeah. The probability of finding a hidden window is very low in build purpose because they can't do that because there is inspections, there yeah. is some surprises are yeah. less. Really, I think that that was one of the big, I would say one of the big shifts for me when time was suddenly now not even, it wasn't an option. So before it was like, you have to do it fine, you figure it out. Um, but with a baby, it's just not an option. It's not an option to physically be there. It's not an option to take 14 phone calls because the phone needs to be on silent when the child is sleeping. Because my goodness, if you wake this baby up, we are going to have a very big problem. You and I are not going to be friends anymore. <laughs> but the beauty of this, you found ways to actually make it work. Oh, man. Once you have the priority, the priority is this. And then it's amazing once you set yourself up and says, okay, my priority is my child. My priority is a family and then everything else. It's amazing how it opens your mind, how you structure things around. Yeah. Do you remember when I had to start using Aria's bathtub on my desk so that she could sit in her bathtub and I could actually work? Yes. You know, babies, they don't, they don't move, right? At certain stages in life, they're not even able to sit up on their own. So they need support and they need help. And when you're typing, you don't always have two hands available to you and our daughter did not like to be in those slings. I thought I was going to be super like one of those super really, mom. yeah, one of those really like super moms that was just going to wear my baby and I was going to do everything. Only my baby didn't want to be worn. She likes to be free. She very much enjoyed being free. So the solution to that problem was to bring her bathtub, fill it with pillows and blanket and to put her in her tub so that at least she's seated in a semi upright position. Yep. <laughs> and we brought the mobile from her like mat her floor mat because she did not like that either and she got to sit there and swat at that for i don't know i got maybe half an hour at a time before i had to pick her up but it helped we found ways it's true exactly it's true when we started 
I think I can speak for the both of us. We had a very kind of clear vision for what we wanted our life to look like as a couple um, and as an eventual family. And everything that we did kind of leading up to that was supposed to take us to that point, right? Our goal was really to be able to build businesses so that the two of us did not have to be formally employed. And our goal was to have businesses that ran themselves and didn't require our time so that we could do all the kind of fun things that we wanted to do. And, you know, didn't always go that way. The first five years we've talked about were quite challenging, right? So that definitely didn't have us leaving our jobs and didn't have us making lots of money. It had us living in an apartment with pink carpets and green mosaic tiles from the 1970s while our tenants were living in these beautifully renovated new apartments that we just gutted and put together with our hands. If, if you look at it, yes, I agree with you. We were not living that way, but the vision we've implemented and we've gone after. So even though we agreed that we're going to have a substandard living, right? The tenants... wouldn't call it substandard. Well, you know, tenants were living... And better, but that is our goal. Living better, just nicer. Well, <laughs> they had nicer apartments. Of course it's like nicer apartment, but come on. That's, it's really it. But that is our goal. That's the fundamental. When we started down that road, we said we're not going to be the landlords where, you know, leave things unattended. We put something at a good value for a tenant. The five years we were going towards and we had agreed. True. Um... But we learned, right? And we created the processes, we created systems, and um, we were able to kind of stabilize the properties that we had purchased. So I think one of the biggest things during that time that we learned was to stop buying property until you figured your like business out. When things weren't going well, we were just buying whatever made sense financially. Um, and we were going to figure it out as we go. So I went from Mr. I have paralysis by analysis to Mr. We're just going to make it work. We're just going to make it work. We're just going to make well, it work. The numbers work. So let's go. It got exciting. You know, it's like a kid with a new toy. So, oh, that, that worked. Let's do it. Oh, wait a minute. I'm driving. Oh, wait a minute. I have another one. Anyway, we figured it out. That's the goal is we figured it out. And then we had a process that was really kind of cookie cutter, right? We find a distressed building. It had no more than 10 units. It had no less than three units because we found that those were the ones that would allow us to kind of manage financially as we went through and turned around the units as they needed to go. We bought them obviously with structurally sound bones, right? So foundations were good. The bones were good, but they were obviously in a state of disarray, lots of deferred maintenance. That was kind of what we did. We found properties that were like this. We put the money into it and we renovated. We didn't buy anything else until that one property was stabilized. But when the property was stabilized, we were able to refinance, take the money, buy the next property. And this is how we ended up not being reactive, not scrambling to find ways to fund this new bathroom that needs to be renovated. It became a process. Or having three of them at the same time in different locations. That, that's the other thing that you we never thought of is, okay, I got three different properties at different places. Numbers make sense. Yeah. But how do you manage that in three different cities? Yeah. Right? That That's really 
didn't we did not have the systems at that time to manage See, that. I say no good. You keep saying inefficient. That's not but, an efficiency. That's just a bad idea. See? But really, towards the end, actually, if you look at it, every experience and everything that we've done that created a problem, we also took to find a solution. Honestly. So right now, can we manage projects across Ontario? Absolutely. We have the systems in place to do that. It even got too easy, I think. That's why we jumped across the border and we've done other stuff too. The best part is you just keep yourself challenged. Like, you know, you don't want to get bored because once once it's working, you know, it's like, keep it shut, but throw another thing in there. So if your personalities you feel are in line with ours, this is probably a really good thing for you. And if your personalities are not so much in line with ours and you think that we're a little bit like, whoop, probably don't do what we're doing. I don't know. Well, maybe it find requires, something slightly different. Yeah, like it requires a lot of work. You have to be willing to really get into it. So, you know, by the time we had our processes in place, um, I was able to leave my job. So now I was working on the businesses full time. You were still employed and still traveling a ridiculous amount of time and flooding our units every time you got on a plane because it's your fault. <laughs> if that's why you want to say. Absolutely. There's no other it's reason. It's just an indication. It's like, okay, you know what? It's about, uh, it's time to leave because there's something about to happen. And you're, as our service manager says, you're very capable of handling it. So that's why I don't need to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. We'll go with that. You know, we haven't actually had a flood since you stopped Knock traveling. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So... Five years in, we finally we finally figured it out, right? So we figured out that, you know, our sweet spot is three to 10 units. And, you know, structurally sound, we're going to renovate them. We will finish and stabilize. Then we will refinance. Then we will purchase another property. And now that we've kind of got this really, I don't know, assembly line kind of methodology, um, also all within a, you know, reasonable radius. Yeah, geographical radius. Um, of one other. So again, it's one service manager that you need to train. It's one service team that you really need to work on. And because you're going one building at a time, they work one building at a time. I was running our companies full time and, you know, things were really good. We had a really good system and it was okay that it was very active. We had the management company. It was okay that we were now taking on other people's headaches. So we started doing this for other people. That's right. Right. We started now creating these stabilization processes for other investors who were where we were, you know, five, six, seven years earlier. They had purchased something and, oh my God, what the heck is going on? And there are so many different surprises. And, you know, now we were able to come in with the experience that we had yep. and to do that. But fast forward seven years of that, now all of a sudden you have a new person in your life and doing what you did every single day wasn't working anymore. So I didn't have the luxury anymore of waking up and, you know, nine o'clock taking a look at what kind of outstanding maintenance was there, who hasn't responded to maintenance requests, who hasn't, you know, gone in, done the work, coordinated an appointment. I couldn't do that anymore, right? I couldn't check in with my service managers to see where the bottlenecks were because, I was either exhausted and trying to sleep because, you know, my baby is sleeping, so let me sleep. Or, you know, you have this blob of a person that, you know, will not survive without you. So you need to take care of that little person. 
like it was a really strange shift, right? You went from, or at least from in my world, I went from being very efficient. We're going to look at the maintenance and then we're going to deal with, you know, any kind of problematic situations between, you know, tenants who feel like they're not being heard or tenants who feel like, you know, their work is not being done to their satisfaction. And there was a lot of like time dedicated to day-to-day maintenance. I had the ability to kind of go through and screen applications. My God, screen applications. Do you remember the first tenant that was placed by somebody, not me, while she was like, I don't know, six months old? So story time. Sorry, I'm going to digress, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. I do all of the tenant application screenings for our management company. So in the beginning, when we did not have efficient systems, uh, the goal was to place a tenant who seemed semi-reliable in as quickly a manner as possible because we didn't want to lead with vacancies. That proved to be not good. And we adopted the attitude of one of us will be designated to screen applicants. It was me. And we are going to screen them to the fullest and ensure that we have the right applicants and not just filling a tenancy because we're worried about vacancy. And it has worked very, very well for us. Um, We've been very lucky with the tenants that we have. And I shouldn't say lucky, like we have a very good screening system. So we've been very fortunate to have good tenants who don't require a lot of people management, right? They, They understand kind of the system. They understand the process. They respect the process. Self-sufficient. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of, they do their own thing unless they need us. And when they need us, we know that they need us because they're not people who are just going to, you know, call us and complain because there's a cobweb in the corner. It's happened. So when I had Aria, one of the big discussions that we had was it's time to delegate, right? We need to start delegating tasks. So it can't just be me who's doing it. It's got to be other people. So one of the first things that I thought would be the easiest to delegate because it was the most time consuming for me was to delegate the leasing of our units. We would delegate like the showing parts of the leasing, right? So we would have agents that we work with, they would show things, but we were like, you know what, we're going to let them kind of do the whole thing. They've been working with us for a while. They're using our documents. They understand our process. So let's go ahead and do that. The first tenants that we had placed while I had decided to kind of step back When you look at it from like the viewpoint of an investor, they were great, right? They paid rent on time. All of their, you know, checks cleared the first time that they were deposited. We didn't have any of those issues. Their property was very well maintained. They kept a beautiful home. It was clean. They took care of it. So all in all, when, you know, people would go in, they do filter changes and, you know, quarterly inspections, everything looked great. And fast forward, like, what, 18 months, I went there to meet an appraiser who was coming out to appraise this property. And I was just sitting in the parking lot waiting for this appraiser to show up. And my tenant walks out. And I thought, oh, oh, (laughs) this cannot possibly be my tenant. So I sat and I watched and, you know, he went into the car that was parked in the designated parking spot for the unit. Okay, grabbed something, went back into the house. Five minutes later, came back out with a dog. I'm thinking, oh, not good, not good. And not that it's a problem to have a dog. We knew they had a dog. It was the entire kind of situation in the 15 or 20 minutes that I was watching him that had me and every bell in my head going off. And I called 
Shetty and I said, I think we have drug dealers in Unit 5. And my lovely, wonderful, supportive husband responded with, please stop judging people. How can you say that? They're good tenants. And I said, trust me when I tell you, I think we have drug dealers in Unit 5. We left it. We agreed to disagree. I didn't say anything about it. I went through. We did the appraiser. He went through the unit. Again, the space was beautiful. Very nice furniture. Everything was taken care of. Everything was taken care of. You know, these 23 and 24-year-olds had like beautiful Ashley furniture sets where in my head was like, how are you affording this at 23 years old? Don't judge people. What's his viewpoint? Of course. So I'm telling you this because three days later, three days later, I got a call from the female who was renting. So it was a couple that had rented from us. And the female called me to tell me that their house had been raided by the police. They kicked in the doors, but don't worry. We're going to get them fixed. Okay. And her partner is in jail. So she's not sure she's going to be able to pay rent. And I thought, well, what does rent have to do with this? Oh, well, they took all of our money. And I thought, who took all of your money? The police took all of our money. So me being me, I Googled it. And sure enough, the police department for the city that they were in Mm -hmm. raided the home. And they confiscated $20,000 worth of ecstasy and $16,000 in cash. Yep. I think another $12,000 of, what was it? Any other kinds of drugs as well as a weapon. And they were gone. And I thought, oh my goodness, it took me less than 30 seconds to pin him. And nobody else who has met him in all of this time seemed to notice. Sometimes I think what this taught us was that we had to shift, we had to delegate, but there were certain things that just couldn't be delegated. Like there were certain things that experience is what wins. It's not a system or a process. What ended up happening because of this experience is the delegation of what we ended up delegating actually shifted. So I had become more focused on administrative work so that I could be home with Aria, right? So I wasn't going, I wasn't doing showings because I wanted to be home with Aria. So I answered phone calls. You know, I handled the service tickets that came in a day in the life of, let's say. It would be, you know, you wake up in the morning, feed the baby, bathe the baby. Hopefully you can bathe yourself. If you have time. If you have time. Um, But really, you're going to sit down, you have breakfast, you kind of, you do your morning routine with the child. And I don't know, for me, by about 10 o'clock, I was finally able to kind of sit down at my desk and work, let's say, for an hour and a half. Um, And it was all administrative work, right? It was desk work because I was in my office. Then it was time to kind of, you know, again, feed the child, feed myself, myself, (laughs) you know, entertain the child and maybe around, I don't know, two o'clock, you come back to your desk and you've got a little bit more work. And um, this is kind of how it went. So it was like an hour and a half on, two hours off, an hour and a half on, two hours off. And it wasn't working. It was, I mean, it worked, but it wasn't yielding the kind of results that we wanted. Like I was not interested in having another drug dealer go into a unit. I wasn't interested in, you know, potentially having other types of situations. We were fortunate that these two individuals, even though their choice of occupation was not the best, they were responsible people. They were respectful of their units. They were respectful of us as people. Um, What if that wasn't the case, right? Because it's not always the case. 
And we know that from experience. Yes, of we do. Other property. We're going to save that. We're going to do a whole series of like just a day in the life of a property manager. Don't worry. We've got stories. Once our family dynamic changed, even though we had a mind, like we had a set way that we were building our business, theoretically, it was great. <laughs> Practically, it was not. Practically, we weren't able to do what it was that we were doing. There is, there is key places where you cannot replace. So talk about those. So, well, it's five tenant, like you're what I call the sixth sense. That's what I always call it, right? You walk in there, I put you in there, you look at the person, talk to them for a couple of minutes and he says, oh, yeah, okay. And I'm looking at this as the, it's like, what, how the hell do you find that out? I don't have that sixth sense, but that's worth a lot, right? For, for what we're doing is, is critical because that could be a potential problem and that problem will translate to a loss. And I'm talking financial loss. So really in Ontario, the critical thing that we've learned very quickly is a tenant screening is very critical and that will determine whether you're making money or not. So you cannot take that lightly. Well, that applies anywhere, I think. It's not just in Ontario. Okay, fine. When you buy a property, the decision of making a property. So it is, it's the, the decision before the problem is always determines what the outcome is. Yeah. So tenant, is he paying rent or not? Then the decision of screening is important. The property, did you make money on the property or not? The decision of buying the property is, and the numbers and how you determine that determines whether you're making money or not. The focus was, is to put you in the places where I cannot replace it by a process or something. A computer cannot detect human behavior. Yeah. It might with the AI coming maybe, but right now it's not. So we're good. Oh, that's a whole scary discussion for another day. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Very scary discussion for another day. It is. There, there's some tools out there that are in developments right now that would determine human behavior. But that's a different discussion. Uh, that, that's, again, that's part of the things that we're looking at is you have to stay ahead of the game. Yeah. We take the process and we say, this is our priority, and then modify the process, modify your business yeah. to suit your priority. Yeah. And the priority is always personal priority, right? Well, it wasn't always personal priority. Priority was always business to establish well, the business. To establish the business was a priority, but once we had our daughter... That shift between our daughter and then family 100%. dynamic is a priority. So therefore, you look at it, it says, okay, this is what I want. How do you establish that? So I always looked at it, so how do you solve a problem or how do you solve a need? It says, okay, this is how we solve it. This is what we're going to do. Make it sound easy, but it's not really easy. It's, it's an iterative process, right? You try something and it doesn't work. It says, oh my God, I got a problem. Okay, let's fix it. So I think what we're really trying to communicate with all of you out there, um, if you're in a position right now where you are starting a business or you have a business and you want to start your family or you just kind of want to shift the focus of your lifestyle, it's actually very possible and actually very um, liberating, I think would be a good choice of word, to build your business around your life. So don't let your business dictate what happens in your life. Let your life dictate what happens in your business. I don't know. When we started letting that happen, I think we actually started to really enjoy life more. 
absolutely. I don't. I was yeah. happier. You? I like to be in control. So, <laughs> so when you're in control, you're really happy, right? Because you are. The outcome is dictated by you. So when I say this is what I want to do, and it happens, you gain the satisfaction of it. Nobody wants to be told what to do, right? And every entrepreneur starts a business because they want to do what they want to do, yeah. not to be told what to do. Yeah. So maintain that and don't let the business take over because it's a lot easier. And it's so probable that the business will swallow you and all of a sudden you're being driven in the direction you don't want to. So take that challenge, take your goal and says, okay, this is where I want to go and make sure that you don't get distracted and you don't be stuck in your business and create what it needs to do. Yep. Figure out what you want in life and build the business around it, not the other way around. That's right. So thank you um, for being here with us and for listening to everything that we had to say. I do hope, again, that you guys got a little bit of something, whether it's a little bit of validation that it's okay to, you know, want to shift your life and do what you want to do and not only do what you have to do in business or if it just gave you the, yeah, you know what? It'll be okay if we decide to expand. And take that risk. Yeah, take the risk. That's right. But come back because now that you have an idea of who we are, how we started and where we came from, now we're actually going to start talking about all the fun nitty gritty. We're going to talk about how we did what we did, why and what we used in order to maintain. So yeah, you got to come back if you actually want to see all of his systems and processes and spreadsheets. Until then. Happy investing. <laughs>